Swamiji, what is a saint? A saint basically is somebody whose energy and thoughts turn toward God. Now, there are many different levels of sainthood. In the Bhagavad Gita, it says the worst of sinners, if he steadfastly meditates and seeks God, should be considered a saint. So we should all think of ourselves as saints. We are not sinners. We have people who make mistakes, but we should not identify ourselves with our sin. So um, a saint is a sinner, Yogananda said. A saint is a sinner who never gave up. So a saint is somebody whose energy and thoughts turn toward God. Now, because in our subconsciousness, there are many things that turn toward the world, toward things, toward desires, toward likes and dislikes, we get angry, whatever it might be. Those are not saintly qualities. And so you can say that people are, let's say, half-baked saints or true saints, um, whatever it might be. There are different gradations of sainthood. Finally, a saint is one who has completely overcome all sense of any thought that is not of God. That is to say, he has no ego left. He only thinks of God's will. He sees God as the doer, not himself. But we need to practice all these things if we're to achieve them. And no matter how dark you may feel yourself, never say that is myself, because you are a manifestation of God. And Jesus said, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. That is to say, he was talking to everybody. He wasn't talking to one or two disciples. This is something everybody. He didn't come on earth to show people how great he was. He came to show us how great everybody is potentially, how great we can become if we work at it. When the Jews, the Pharisees, criticized him and said he was blaspheming, for saying, I and my Father are one. He didn't say, you better believe it or you'll go to hell. He said, don't your scriptures, your scriptures, mine too, he was saying, but your scriptures, don't they say, ye are gods? In other words, we all are potential gods. This is our destiny, and sooner or later, all of us have to reach that point. So, um, a saint finally, though, would be a realized saint, if somebody realizes completely that he's a saint, would be somebody who's, as I said, overcome ego, who has uh, overcome all desires except for God, who knows that God is doing everything. And even at that point, he, when you're above ego, you're in what is known as nirvikapa samadhi. There are two levels of samadhi. Um, the first level is called Samparangyanta Samadhi or Sabhikapa Samadhi, in which you experience the union with God, but there's still the ego, I, the uh, infinite, but nevertheless still real John Grant, am in Samadhi. That stage is conditional. When you come back to outer consciousness, you're in ego consciousness again. And uh, in fact, it also becomes the final test. Because when you come back, you may come back with that 
thought that I, the infinite John Grant, and so you've got this whole power of the infinite behind you, so you can become even more egotistical. And in fact, people do sometimes fall from that state just because they've got much more ego as a result. And uh, I, I had to deal with that sometimes with uh, one of my sister disciples who certainly had achieved a very high state, but then I think she, she allowed that to, to take over. At any rate, um, when, you, when you reach that higher state and you see that God really is doing everything and it's not you, you're still only in this present lifetime, John Grant, let's say, but you've got millions of lifetimes before you. And so you may have to reincarnate again and again in uh, a physical body, or you can do it from the astral world, but if you're helping people, you may come back here. But uh, in that state, you have to remember, as I was saying, I think in a recent talk, you have to remember all your past lives when you were... Uh, when you thought you were being a pirate, and when you thought you were being a ship's captain, when you thought you were being a general, when you thought you were being a torturer, and all the different things that we have done in the past, some good, some bad, some very bad, but they're all still a part of God. What makes things bad? Because they take the mind away from God. And uh, can you become... If you can rise, can you fall? Yes, you can fall. You, whatever you live now is what you'll be in your next life. If you live like a tiger, you may be born as a tiger. But usually, if you go back to an animal state, it's only for one lifetime. Sometimes you have, for example, there was a horse that had a vocabulary of a hundred words. He could, with his hoofs, write point to the letters and spell out those hundred words. He was surely a human being in his past life, and he had that, that much intelligence. But it must be a terrible punishment to realize you're stuck in this animal form. And you can even, this is the scariest thing of all, but if you fall again and again and again, you may be thrown down the ladder a long way, even to the level of a germ. And just think of the suffering you have to go through because you know that you're more than that and yet you have to come up gradually through that whole letter of incarnation again it's it's a, it's a scary show sometimes there are whole galaxies that are either there are three gunas rajasic is the active guna which takes you forward upward or downward but there's sattva guna which raises you and tamo guna which lowers you there are whole galaxies that are evil. Our galaxy is in the middle. It's active. Business and so on is sort of the main thing here. There are whole galaxies where people are basically sattvic. They live in peace. They can communicate easily with the other, uh, other universe, the astral universe. And uh, um, wherever you are, that's where you are, so you have to work with it from there. But on that level, you... You have to, even in one incarnation you can go through, once you reach Nirvikalpa, you see all those past incarnations, you don't get involved in them anymore, because you know you don't have an ego. 
but you have to remember that you were involved then and you have to see that it was God who dreamed that life. In one meditation you may be able to um, purify, you might say, the karma of one whole incarnation. So I asked my guru once, well, when you're, when you're completely free like that in Nirbhikapa Samadhi, can't you just say I'm free and be free? He said, yes, you can. But usually you don't. You don't care at that point. You know that you've got these little clouds to go to get rid of, but you may use this as an excuse to help other people to keep coming back and help them. But you know, in autobiography of a yogi, the only saints who had achieved complete liberation were the three gurus of our line, and Ram Gopal Mojumdar, who was the sleepless saint, and uh, Swami Pranabhananda, the saint with two bodies, as he described him. But the others all had past karma to work on. And uh, it wasn't that they were less. They were, they're all equal on that. What really dif differentiates them is that they have less power to help other people. They can only help a small number. To achieve complete liberation, you can't do it alone. There was one uh, time during my guru's father's lifetime where a Maharaja was clearing a lake and discovered three yogis sitting in the lotus pose way beneath the mud. And the engineers working on it figured they must have been there three centuries because of the amount of mud that accumulated. Whether they were right or not, I don't know. But the Maharaja insisted on bringing them back to life, and he applied hot potters to their soles of their feet, and uh, he did bring them back. And they said that we were very near liberation, and now, you've, now we've come back to our bodies, we have to leave them. And they said, you performed a sin. And the Maharaja and his whole family died soon afterwards. But uh, Master, my guru, said also that it was God's will that they be found and not be allowed to find liberation on their own. Because we must, before we attain that state, we must help other people too. I asked my guru, how many people should you, do you have to help? He said, at least six. So those souls come back to help others. But as they become completely free, then um, after they've freed their six, when they finally merge into spirit, they have no karma left or anything, most souls just say, well, thank God for that. And they've had it. There are very, very few souls who still maintain, they hold this desireless desire of compassion to help other people. And Yogananda said, I will come back if need be a trillion times. He said, I killed Yogananda long ago. No one lives in this, in this body now but God. And that was many lifetimes ago. But he said, I will come back if need be a trillion times as long as there is one weeping brother by the wayside. Mm -hmm. That kind of compassion is hard to visualize. But uh, some people come back, and I've said recently, those are the avatars. When you have that, somebody like Jesus Christ could save any number of people. Yogananda can save any number of people. 
because they're not limited to their six. They come back into this world with the power of God. So it's his power. It's Jesus said, I and my Father are one. And he, in fact, was an avatar. And he brought that, that divine power. So anybody who, um, w well, he can save people now. It has to be through others, too. But through a sincere saint in Christianity, you can be saved. Yogananda, through instruments who are deeply in tune with him, can help other people. But those instruments without his blessing and his power wouldn't have the same power. So the power of an avatar is an extraordinary thing. And it's really God himself coming down to this world. And as the Gita, as the Gita says, to punish sin, not sinners, but sin, and to lift virtue and put it on its place again.